Your Bible open up to Matthew chapter number two, Matthew chapter number two. And as we think about Christmas season and we think about uh, the wise men as they come to worship Jesus, and that's what this passage deals with. Uh, it's a wonderful time of year really to, uh, to focus on Christmas and focus on God. And I, I, I say this every Christmas and I'll probably say it every Christmas uh, till I die. It just amazes me over and over that God himself would come to this world in the form of flesh and, uh, and take on our form. Could you imagine not being able to, um, I mean, in heaven, at least we know that God said that he'll wipe away all our tears and that there's no pain and that there's no suffering. Could you imagine living like that before and then coming down to the earth and taking on our form and feeling tired and feeling hungry and feeling thirsty and feeling pain and feeling all that we feel uh, and, and doing that because he loves us. What an amazing God uh, that we serve, really. It's, it's quite an incredible thing. And, uh, and as we think about that, uh, I want us to think about as well uh, our worship towards God. And uh, the wise men here provide a, a lot of uh, information that they would give us just by practical example of worshiping Jesus Christ. They're probably one of the greatest examples in the uh, as far as these this reference of this time frame goes. And so Matthew chapter number two and verse number one. We'll start there and we'll read down uh, to our text. Matthew chapter two and verse number one. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. In the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you for uh, your blessings in our life. Father, thank you for the privilege, the opportunity that we have to be here. God, I do know there are those who wish they could be here and physically are not able to. And God, I I thank you that we are able to be here. And I thank you for the means that we're able to uh, give the service, Father, to those who are not able to make it. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And we'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at the idea of worship, um, sometimes uh, I think that worship is almost a lost uh, form or a lost thing. And, uh, and we often come to church and, and we call it our, our 11 o'clock, our worship service. And, uh, and certainly we strive to worship and certainly we would like to do that. And I, I think there's a lot of points and a lot of information that we can pull out of this text from the wise men and, uh, and learn to worship. The wise men certainly worshiped uh, God and they traveled uh, from afar to do that. And so in our text in verse number 11, we find just a few things that I want to note about their worship. The Bible says, and when they were come into the house. I want you to notice the path of worship. Now these wise men uh, didn't just set out to cross town. Praise the Lord, you probably didn't have very far to come. Uh, You know, I think I know the person that traveled the farthest, at least yesterday, that would be my daughter. She drove from from New Jersey, all right? I don't think anybody drove further than that to come to church this morning. Uh, But but that was extensive because she was at college. So, well, uh, that's not normal. But, uh, but, you know, the majority of us, I mean, we drive, I mean, maybe 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes would be the maximum. Somebody would come, uh, maybe somewhere out there a little further, and they drive an hour in. But, uh, but I'm saying, you know, for us, hey, it's a relatively short distance for us to get to church. But these, these wise men uh, had traveled a great distance. I remember last year trying to find, uh, look up the information, and, and I would love to know the exact distance, but we really don't know because the Bible doesn't give us specifics. It doesn't tell us what country they started at. They didn't tell us what city they started at. But we do know that it was an extensive journey, and it was, uh, it was a difficult journey. And listen, in, in Bible times, I, I got to thinking about traveling in Bible times. And uh, listen, they didn't have any cars. Not only did they not have cars, they didn't have buses or trains or airplanes. They didn't have uh, any modern form uh, of, of traveling like we do. But not only that, I want you to think of this. They didn't have credit cards. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, to all the millennials who don't carry cash... Um, that means that they would have had to carry all the cash that they would need. Well, they didn't have to pay $3 a gallon for gasoline, so that was a plus. That was a little bit of savings. But nonetheless, they would have had to have money for every stop that they would have made. Uh, You don't just go into a a place, a restaurant, which they could have had restaurants in that day, and just expect people to feed you without paying for that. And so they would have had to have money for that. Not only that, they didn't buy gasoline, uh, but they did have to feed their animals. And so they would have had to carry either all of the food that they would have needed, which would have been extensive, or they would have had to carry money to help buy some along the way. Uh, So as they traveled, they could have purchased that food. They didn't have credit cards. 
They didn't have convenience stops. Could you imagine? I've done a, a lot of traveling in my day. And, uh, and listen, I know what it is to stop. And, and when I want to stop somewhere, I want, I want three things at that stop. I want gas, I want food, and I want bathrooms. I want one stop that does it all. I don't want to stop here for bathrooms and then stop there for gas and then stop there for food. I wanted the convenience of everything rolled into one single stop. Listen, as they traveled, they didn't have the conveniences of traveling. I was reminded of, I was talking with somebody uh, over the past couple of weeks, I don't remember when uh, or who it was, and, and, uh, and they, I was reminded of a time that we were traveling in Peru. And Peru was pretty rustic, and I was with my missionary friend, and we were going, I mean, we were going back there. You didn't just put it in your GPS and drive there. There wasn't maps even, hardly to get there. We just knew that the road, uh, there was one road, and it was a dirt road, and it was way back in there. We drove several hours to get back in there. And I remember as we traveled, uh, we didn't even know where gas stops would be. There's, there were no gas stations. As a matter of fact, we stopped at one town, and, uh, and you know, you pull up to the gas station and say, you get out and you take the little hose and you fill it up, you know, you stick it in there. We stopped at this town and, uh, and there was no gas station, uh, but there, they did sell gas. They had 55 barrels, 55 gallon drums there. And you pull up and you tell the guy, I, I, want, I want to fill it up with gas. And he would get a scoop and he would dip it in that 55 gallon drum and get a gallon of gas in a little flowering pot or whatever it was and and he'd go over to your truck and he'd pour in one gallon mark it down one gallon and then he'd get another gallon and he'd do the same thing and he'd, and he'd fill you up in another gallon and you know he'd fill you up that away and uh, and so we we left that town and we were traveling a little bit further and and we were wondering we didn't know how far gas wise we were going to reach where the next gas stop was and and so we pulled off and there was a a, a fella that was walking with a sheep we asked him, we said, how far is it to the next town? Because we were wondering if we would make it, if we needed gasoline. And he said, he said, well, it's, um, it's probably an hour. We said, okay. And so we talked with him for a little bit, and then we started driving. We didn't drive more than 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, and boom, we were at the town. We're like, man, that, that wasn't no hour. And then we realized... It's an hour if you're walking with a mule. But if you're driving a car, it's not an hour. It's only 20 minutes. And we don't understand how convenient and how easy it is. These, these, um, these wise men, they didn't have it like that. I mean, just to go a couple of miles, uh, they say the average person would walk about three miles an hour. And so if you're traveling, could you imagine you would only cover about three miles in an hour? When I travel, I'm used to estimating about 60 miles in an hour. And, and so you could imagine the great time difference and the great inconvenience of these wise men traveling from wherever they went, that it was a very difficult journey. And if they're carrying all that cash or they're carrying the food, then they would very much so be subject to the thieves that would look to rob them along the way. And when you think about all of that, you realize, wow, that is a different day. That is a different world. And they dedicated a lot of time uh, to the fact that, hey, they wanted to go and worship the Messiah. It was a difficult journey. 
It was a very uh, time-consuming, the duration of the journey. But I want you to notice, look with me at verse number 2, uh, Matthew 2, 2. The Bible says, Where is he that is born King of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And praise the Lord for their determination. Oh, they didn't give up in the journey. They didn't give up in the difficulty. They didn't give up in the duration of the journey. They said, hey, our desire is to worship the King of Kings, the Messiah. And you say, well, that was a tremendous event that Jesus Christ was born on this earth. And listen, it was. I mean, we still celebrate it to this very day. But listen, our worship of Him should be no less uh, strong in our desire. Hey, the fact that, uh, that He came to this earth, we ought to desire to worship Him just as much as they did. And the path of their worship was a difficult, long journey, but it did not kill their desire. Hey, may we have the desire that they had to travel the path to worship as they did. I want you to notice not only the path of their worship, but I want you to notice the place of their worship. Look with me at verse number 11. And when they were come into the house. Now listen, I know that uh, this was, uh, Jesus was born there, and uh, not necessarily born there at the, because he was born at a stable, but he was living there. Uh, and I know that this represents a physical house where Jesus was. But nonetheless, I want us to understand Hey, there is a place of worship. They could have, uh, you say, well, Jesus is God. Yeah, they could have very well stayed in, in the eastern lands and worshipped God from where He was, but they did not do that. They said, hey, we want to go to the very place uh, where Jesus is. Listen, there's a place that Jesus shows up every single Sunday. There's a place that Jesus shows up every single Wednesday. He said, hey, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Hey, it's a place of worship. Hey, and we have a place of worship. Hey, we ought to be at that place of worship. And those wise men, they came to the place of worship. And listen, God had an Old Testament house in the Old Testament. And it was the, te it was the temple that they had built. And when they traveled, uh, before they even built that temple, uh, it was a tabernacle. And God was very specific about all the instructions of setting that tabernacle up and tearing it down. And matter of fact, He gave very specific instructions about how they were to carry it and transport and I'm just saying, God is very particular about His place of worship. Then they built that temple, and what a place it was. Matter of fact, when they built it, and the very first worship service of it, we've looked at it in the past, was a, a phenomenal service that was a place of dedication when they would bring those offerings in, and, and man, it was a phenomenal service. And the Bible says that uh, the glory of the Lord filled that place. I'm just saying, God shows up at the place of worship. And we ought to show up at the place of worship. Jesus said this in the New Testament when He was concerned about uh, the, the temple of God being turned into a, a place of, of, of sales and a place of negotiations. He said uh, unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Hey, listen, there's just something about a place of worship. 
There's just something about going to that place. And listen, those, uh, those wise men, they said, hey, we have got to get to the place where Jesus Christ is. And they wanted to go to that place. What an importance of the place of worship. We see their path of worship. We see their place of worship. I want you to notice this, and of course we know this, but the Bible says there in our, our text, verse number 11, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. I want you to notice the person of worship. Now some would look at this and they'd say, well, Mary was there, and certainly Mary was used of God. There's no doubt about it. Go back with me. We're in Matthew. Go back with me just one chapter to Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18. The Bible says in Matthew 1.18, it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. When Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately, uh, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost." And we find that, listen, Mary was a great, great person. She was used of God. Mary was pure in her life. Boy, we need some more pure people in this world. I'm telling you, sin has taken over our society like a, uh, like, a, uh, like a plague that is just infecting everyone. And oh, the purity that would take place. And Mary was a very pure person. Mary was a good person. But can I tell you this this morning? Mary is not God. Mary is not the person they came to worship. Well, when they saw her, Mary, and the babe, they fell down. Yes, but go on in our text, Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 11. And the Bible says, and worshipped him. That would be one person singular. And it's not talking about Mary. They were there to worship Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Mary is certainly a good person, and Mary was certainly used of God, and Mary was certainly a pure person, and oh, how it would challenge us and how it would encourage us to live pure in the midst of a, 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 a oh, crooked and perverse nation. The purity, but she's not God. And she's not the person of worship. Hey, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only person we ought to worship. You come to this church and, and you know me. But listen, you don't come here to worship me. And if you do, you're wrong. We love Pastor Jacobs. He's here for 20 years. And we, don't, we didn't come to church to worship Pastor Jacobs. And if you did, you're wrong. And he would tell you the same. Because we come here to worship Jesus. We come here to worship God. 
That is the person of worship. That is the person that the wise men worship. That is the person that they were looking for. Listen, Jesus is God, and you can't say it enough, and it cannot be emphasized enough. Jesus uh, is certainly God. In the book of, of John, is one of the wonderful Gospels, to be honest with you. Uh, the phrase, my Father, Jesus used those words uh, some 60 or some 38 times in the Gospel of John alone. He said, my father, and I can tell you this, he was not referring to Joseph. My father, which is in heaven. And he said that over and over. My father, which is in heaven, gave them to me. My father uh, will provide. And my father, and listen, Jesus Christ is God. And he is worthy to be worshipped because God took on the form of human flesh. We covered it a little bit in Sunday school this morning. It just amazes me, to be honest with you. The fact that Jesus Christ, that God would come to this world and he would take on the form of human flesh. And we can see uh, that there was a person that they were worshiping and they were worshiping Jesus Christ. Listen, he's worthy of all the praise and of all the worship. You say, well, we worshiped him last week. Praise the Lord. We'll do it again next week. Hey, we'll do it every week. Hey, listen, in heaven, the angels do not cease to worship and praise God, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You think praising the Lord three times a week is too much, you better get used to it, because in heaven, we'll do it for all eternity. Praising the one who died for us. Hey, the person of worship. We see the place of worship. We see the path of worship. I want you to notice as well the, uh, the prostration in worship. Look with me in verse number 11. The Bible says in the middle of the verse, and fell down. You know, bowing in Bible times, and even to an extent our times, but you don't see it very much, was a very form of respecting somebody else of higher esteem. They would bow down to kings. When they would come into the presence, you, you'd seen it, no doubtably they would bow the knee and they'd say, you know, hey, you're the king. Hey, I'm, I'm beneath you and you are far above me. We find that these wise men, though they were wise men, they, they were well esteemed, they were, may have been very well even kings, we find that they were men of, of high class and of high regard, but yet nonetheless, these men, when they entered into the very presence, even though Jesus was but a baby and but a young child, we find, hey, that they bowed the knee and they said, you're greater than we are. You're more powerful than we are. We see the prostration as they fell down before him. Hey, listen, the Bible says in Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 10 that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that, at, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
I'm just saying, hey, there is a person to be worshipped. And, and listen, we ought to prostrate ourselves, and that would be bow down ourselves to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Those wise men, upon entering and upon seeing Jesus Christ and having their trip, having come to a, a completion and saying, man, there He is. There is God in the flesh. They bowed down before Him. Sometimes I wonder if we're not lacking in our bowing of reverence to God. We call this an altar in our church. And what does an altar really mean? Well, you say, well, it's the thing at the front of the church. Well, what is an altar really? An altar was a place for sacrifice. If you think about the actual terms of it in the Old Testament, it was a place where they would bring their lamb as a sacrifice and they would place it on the altar and they would have killed it and prepared it and placed it on the altar and it was given to God. And listen, we have an altar in our church. It's a place that we can come down and we can bow the knee to God. And say, God, I'm not much, but I'll give you everything that I am. I'll offer myself, and I'm prostrate at your feet, saying, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. Hey, listen, we're going to do it. The Bible says in the future, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth. Listen, even the demons are going to bow to God. Bow to Jesus Christ because He is all-powerful. He is the King of kings. And what an incredible example that these wise men provide to us in falling prostrate at the feet of Jesus Christ to, to worship Him. Not only that, we see the path, the place, the person, the prostration... I want you to notice as well the price of worship. We talked about their travels, and it certainly was not easy for them to arrive, but nonetheless they made the trip because that's how it, much it meant to them. But I want you to notice as well, the Bible says, uh, when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, excellence of their giving. What is the price really of our worship? What, I mean, you and I, we honestly, we live in an easy day. I mean, it took me all of 50, hey, traffic is not even bad on Sundays. You ought to try to drive from my house to the church on uh, rush hour on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I mean, it's kind of crazy. And Sunday, man, it's like a drive in the park. I mean, there's no cars out. I come to church. I'm just saying that, hey, our price of worship isn't very high. I, I give my tithe. Man, many of our people do, and I praise the Lord for giving. Our people are faithful. But I'm just saying this. There's a lot of, they say a lot of the young people really don't give like they ought to. You know, God, God demanded and he set up the tithe as 10%. By the grace of God, we've taught our children, hey, listen, I give, I give you a dollar. We didn't use dollars because we lived in Peru. I give you a solely, that would be like a dollar. You give 10 cents to God. That's what, that's what we did. 
And they learned and listened growing up. Hey, that is the beginning of giving. That is the start. Matter of fact, the Bible says, Honor the Lord with the substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. In other words, hey, if it comes in, that you would honor God with that substance. And the Bible says in Luke 6.38, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet... With all, it shall be measured to you again. And I'm just saying, if you're not given to God, you are totally missing a blessing from God. Because He said He'll bless you for it. And God is faithful. Hey, following the Word of God, uh, He blesses when we follow what He says to do. Uh, it's a proven fact. You can go back over and over and over again and say, hey, when I witness, God blesses. When I come to church, God blesses. When I read my Bible, God blesses. When I spend time in prayer, God blesses. When I give, God blesses. When I follow God in my life, God blesses. And God is blessing and blessing and blessing. And by the way, that doesn't always mean physical blessings, but there's blessings of God that sometimes you don't even realize or recognize, but He's always there protecting you and watching out for you. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Sometimes the blessings of God are keeping your old car running or keeping you healthy or making your groceries stretch a little longer that you probably don't even see that. But it's God's blessing. But I tell you what, you see it when it's missing. And you say, man, everything's not working and there's problems. I'm just saying there was the price of their worship. And they gave to him treasures uh, of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And we could go on about the expense of those and, and how wonderful they are. But I'm just saying, hey, they gave lots of gifts to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they gave to him freely. And I'm just saying it is the price of worship. What an example to us of giving to the Lord. I want you to notice this in verse number 12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Not only can we see all these things, the, the place, the person, the prostration, the price, the path of worship, but I want you to notice as well uh, the peace and protection of God on their worship. Verse number 12, if you'll remember in our text, Herod said, hey, come back and let me know. Herod was a wicked man. He didn't want to worship God. They didn't know that. They just kind of took him. They didn't know Herod. They, they just, you know, went to him and and reported what they saw and, and, and heard and, and were looking for the Messiah. And, and of course, he set them up and said, hey, come back to me. But God told them, hey, don't you go back to Herod. No, it's going to be a problem. And maybe Herod would have locked them up. Maybe Herod would have forced them to, uh, to take him right to where Jesus was. I don't know what would have taken place. All I do know is God's providential uh, warning to these wise men uh, was that of peace and that of protection in their life. And, and they said, hey, uh, you know what? God said, hey, I don't want you to go back to Herod. I want you to go back to your own country uh, in a different way. And they took off and left. And listen, there was a blessing received by their worship to God in the clear warning. Just like I was saying, hey, sometimes the blessings, you don't always know what you're missing. We don't know what they dodged. We don't know what bullet they dodged. 
by not going back to Herod. But they missed something, and God was watching out for them. And God's saying, hey, I am going to take care of you. And God gave them direction in their life. Listen, when we're worshiping God and we recognize how great He is, we, have, we travel down that path of worship and we worship the right person of Jesus Christ and we're, uh, we're looking at the prostrating ourselves and recognizing how great He is and how wonderful He is and we pay the price of worship that, hey, there will be a peace and a protection from that worship that God will give us and God will bless us in our life tremendously. I've never, I've said this before and I'll say it again, I've, Never heard somebody say, I wish I hadn't served God with my life. You know what I have heard? Many times, I wish I would have worshipped God more or served God more. But I never heard somebody say, I wish I hadn't. God blesses. That doesn't mean you're going to be rich and you're going to be millionaires. It means God's going to help you protect you, give you a peace through all the difficulty that you go through. And God will be there for you as he was for the wise men that worshipped Jesus Christ. May our worship include a path. May our worship include a place. May it include the prostration. May it include the, the price. May it include all of those things that we see from those wise men that worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. The worship of the wise men. Father, we thank you for the example that they provide for us. God, what, a, what an incredible example. Of all of these things, God, the path of worship, the place of worship, the person of worship, the prostration and bowing ourselves down to, to you, God. The price of worship and the peace and protection that you offer from our worship. God, just knowing that you're in control. God, the Christian life is that of great blessing. Knowing, God, that Whatever we face, whatever comes down our way, that you're in control. And God, we can trust you. And we can depend upon you. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every person. Help us to be worshipful to you during this Christmas season. May we stand in awe of your love and your greatness, and what you've done for us. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have just a short hymn of invitation, if God spoke to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you want to come and be prostrate before God and bow the knee. I, I understand some have health problems. I get that. You can sit in your seat and pray. I get that. Maybe you just want to say, God, I, I want to worship you. Maybe you want to thank God for what he's done for you.
these wise men took time to worship. You've taken time to worship. You're here today. You got ready. 